In Scripture, there are passages that are mysterious to us. Naaman the leper, was he permitted to go to his master's false god? The book of Judges, the 11th chapter, tells us about Jephthah, who made a vow. We'll read about it here. Turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 11. Passage often referred to as Jephthah's vow. Judges chapter 11, verse 30. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands... Then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the, hand, the Lord delivered them into his hands, and he smote them from a roar, even till thou come to Meneth, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards, with a very great slaughter. And the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And Jephthah come to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her, that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me. For I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Let us pray. We thank thee, our Heavenly Father, for our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, who you've sent to bear away our sins. We thank thee, Father, for this great salvation. We know we're not worthy of it. We just thank Thee for it. We ask that You open our eyes and ears to the truths of Thy Word. Grant us the words, the, the ears to hear, the eyes to see. Grant me the words to speak. We pray for our pastor and his family that are with him, that are away. Keep Your protective hands upon them. Grant them travel mercies and safeties as well as those that are in our midst. Grant repentance and faith to those that are lost. We pray for America that you'd have mercy upon it. Grant us leaders that would fear and honor thee, we pray. Guide us as a church in the way of truth. Help us to proclaim thy word to the lost. Grant us a burden for the lost, we pray. Help us to mind spiritual things and worship thee in spirit and in truth. Keep us looking for our Lord's return. We pray we'd be found worthy to escape the coming tribulation and stand before the Son of Man. For it's in Christ's name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask these things, and amen. We're told in Ecclesiastes 7 and 21, pay no heed to every word that's spoken. The preachers of God's word has a task of preaching to the lost and to the saved, to the independent, to the disobedient, to the obedient. 
We're told to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. It's an awesome responsibility. Paul lays out sin, makes it plain that he's the chief of sinners. Blame no one else but himself for his unbelief. Jephthah blamed himself. And we're going to look at Jephthah today. And we're not going to look at Jephthah's vow. We're going to look at the man Jephthah. He was a very God-fearing man. A lot like David, before David, and maybe even better than David. We begin in chapter 10. In uh, verse, I'll find a good place. I mean, verse 15 And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee this day. Now, they had worshiped false gods and God had allowed them to be vexed by the enemy, to be abused by the enemy. He said in verse 11, Did not I deliver you out of the Egyptians, or from the Egyptians, and from the Amorites, and from the children of Ammon, and from the Philistines, the Zidonians also, and the Amalekites, and the Maonites did oppress you, and you cried out to me, and I delivered you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods, wherefore will I, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry to the gods which you have chosen, and let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee this day. And they put away the strange gods from among them. They prayed. They put away the strange gods. And serve the Lord. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. And the children of Ammon were gathered together and encamped again in Gilead. And the children of Israel assembled themselves together and encamped at Mizpah. And the people of the princes of Gilead said one to another, What man is he that will begin to fight against the children of Ammon? He will be the head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot. And Gilead beget Jephthah. Man had a, a, a no fault of his own, a, a rough way to go. Verse 2, And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah, and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. No fault of his own. Who was his father? Same as theirs. They're calling him out on his past that he had no control over. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob. This is no doubt after the death of Gilead. And were gathered unto him vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. 
And it came to pass in the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah into the land of Tob. Now what happened to those young men? They sent the elders after him. <laughs> and they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did, you, did not ye hate me? And expel me out of my father's house, and why are you come unto me now when ye are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn unto thee again. We know we're guilty, basically. We turn again unto thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon, and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If ye bring me home, home that is, his rightful home, again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us if we do not according to thy words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head over head and captain over them and Jephthah uttered all these words before the Lord in Mizpah and Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon saying what hast thou to do with me that thou art come against me to fight in my land belonged to him his first son and the king of the children of Ammon answered unto the messengers of Jephthah because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt from Arnon even to Jabbok and to Jordan now therefore restore those lands again peaceably and Jephthah sent messengers again to the king of the children of Ammon and said unto him thus saith Jephthah Israel took not away the land of Moab nor the land of the children of Ammon by way that that was the sons of Lot. But when Israel come up from Egypt and walked through the wilderness into the Red Sea and came into Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers unto the king of Edom, saying, Let me, I pray thee, pass through the land. So he was going home. But the king of Edom would not hearken thereto. And in like manner they sent and to the king of Moab, and he would not consent. And Israel abode in Kadesh. And they went along through the wilderness and compassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came by the east side of the land of Moab and pitched on the other side of Arnon, but came not within the border of Moab. For Arnon was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers to Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and the king of Heshbon. And Israel said unto him, Let us pass, we pray thee, through the, thy land into my place. But Sihon trusted not Israel to pass through his coast. But Sihon gathered all his people together and pitched against Jahaz and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they smote them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites and the inhabitants of that country. And they possessed all the coast of Amorites from Arnon even to Jabbok. And 
from the wilderness even into Jordan. So now the Lord God of Israel has to dispossess the Amorites from before his people, Israel. And shouldest thou possess it? Will thou not, will not thou possess that which Chemosh, which is a false god, thy god giveth thee to possess? In other words, you're going to give that which your god gave you? So whomsoever the Lord our God shall drive out before us, them will we possess. And now art thou anything better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, by the way, who hired Balaam to curse them? Did he ever strive against Israel or did he ever fight against him? Well, he got killed in battle. While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and her towns and Aurora and her towns and all the co all the cities that be along the coast of Arnon, 300 years. That goes back to the time of Moses. Why, therefore, did you not recover them within that time? You've had 300 years to do it. Now, why are you doing it now? Wherefore, I have not sinned against thee, but thou doest me wrong to war against me. The Lord be judged be this day between the children of Israel and the children of Ammon. Howbeit the king of the children of Ammon hearkened not to the words of Jephthah, which he sent to him. Jephthah had a remarkable knowledge of history. He was a quiet man. He was an honorable man. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over to Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead passed over unto the children of Ammon. And then it gets to Jephthah's vow. We learn a lot from this man. Now, I've mentioned this morning, the Old Testament is full of various wars. The New Testament is the inner war. What causes all the other wars? We read there in the book of James, where wars come from, they come from lust. In this case, this was simply to, to defend what was already given them. James wrote, James 4 and 1, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Cometh they not thence, even of your lust, that you war in your members? You lust and you have not, you kill, you desire to have and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. The world today is, there's a lot of wars going on and getting worse every day. We need leaders like this man Jephthah. We'll see more in a minute some of his tactics. He's very, very intelligent. It's about election time. Who are we going to vote for? We know what we got and we know what we need. The world needs leadership in businesses like what I work and like most of us have worked. You're only as good as your leadership. You have to have leaders that are skilled in manufacturing, especially. You have to have people that can lead, that can train, that can keep things going, so to speak.
Soldiers need a commander that's been there, that's trained and qualified, that knows what's going on. Can you imagine an unskilled or unqualified leader taking a regiment into battle? It would be sure destruction. I read sometime back about a certain general who conducted an army who was forced to march through hostile and enemy-plagued lands, but was able to keep the mission and complete it, despite being hungry, tired, worn out. He had to march in the heat with meager provisions. How did he do it? He simply was led by example, dismounted from his horse, shared their same accommodations, ate the same food, walked where they walked. That's what you first have to do as a leader. You must have the answers for questions that arise, just like we just read Jephthah did. He knew what was going on. The coming man of sin, the Antichrist, will be followed and adored by the masses because he's going to have the answers for all the questions. I think that it's more like they're going to break things so that they can fix them. We read about bishops in the writings of Timothy, or Paul to Timothy, as it's said. The qualifications of a bishop are pretty tough. First Timothy chapter 3 Verse 1, this is the saying, If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop must be blameless, a husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, not a, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, that's somebody newly come to the faith, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Now, we read there Jephthah made it plain that the Lord would deliver the enemy into their hands, and he did. We see a lot of good in this man, Jephthah. He was a great leader. We read in the Old Testament book of Hosea, I believe, like people, like priests. People are going to be like the leaders that they follow. Christ experienced no failures, and he was, was the greatest of leaders. He healed the sick and raised the dead. And if any is healed now of in infirmity, he still does it. He, being the Creator, sends the sun, the rain, and bore the, cur the curse due us in his own body. We don't see too many such leaders as Jephthah this day and age. Fewer and fewer. The, those in the church, churches are getting fewer and pastors are getting fewer than that. And I don't have to tell you what kind of leadership we have in places of government. But we was told long ago that it would be the case. We rest not against flesh and blood, we're told in the book of Ephesians. Spiritual wickedness in high places. But nevertheless, the Lord still has his thousands that have not bowed the knee to Baal. 
we've all heard of Shelley's Frankenstein. The whole idea behind it, man created a monster. That happens in the case of leadership. Someone gets in power and they become a monster. Monsters, creating monsters must be guarded against. The days of Christ, his first advent, he had to deal with the Jewish elite who had become monsters. For example, they could not own land according to the law. The Lord was their inheritance. But for some way, for some reason, they ended up watching over, guarding a lot of land and having a lot of money. That wasn't, for, that wasn't legal for them to do. They become monsters. Humility is what we need to cultivate in our lives. David could have slain Saul, but he wouldn't. He said, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea. David referred to himself as a flea. David was a meek and humble man, just like this man Jephthah was. David had a son, Adonijah, we read of in 1 Kings tried to make himself king. We also read in 1 Kings of Adonijah that David never questioned him at any time. Never said one time, what doest thou? He had another son, Absalom, and we know what happened there. His heart was lifted up in pride. What do we learn from all this? The conclusion of the whole matter is Solomon wrote, God loves the humble that's the way his son was. There in the, the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 29, where he said, I'm meek and lowly. I'll read it rather than misquote it. We'll get back to Jephthah in a minute. Matthew, chapter 11, verse 29. Verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We also read about him in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews 4 and 15. For ye, ye, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. Scripture teaches us that we should desire such leaders how do we have a righteous nation unless we have righteous leadership we need righteous leaders we need good citizens proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 proverbs 22 6 that's not the passage i want Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. This will ensure good citizens. When we are old, that's who's going to take care of us, so to speak. Romans chapter 15, just some various passages. 
things that we should desire in places of leadership. Romans 15, 1 through 3. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Cover Proverbs 14.34. Proverbs 14.34. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That's a good one. What's it take to be a great nation? Righteousness. Didn't mention anything about wealth. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causes shame. Now, getting back to Jephthah, they blamed him because he was the son of a harlot. Well, their father was the same, and all the sexual sins are the same. We have a thing in this phrase in our day and age we hear called calling out. You straighten somebody out, call them out on something they did. We need to be careful about who we call out. David and Solomon, great men, but what happened because of their multiple wives, they had a lot of problems. We read about Jephthah getting back to him. He was cast out. No fault of his own. He was called out. He had to flee. Till they needed him. Back to Judges chapter 11. Judges chapter 11. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot. Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up and they thrust out Jephthah. They called him out and kicked him out. And then the elders, as we've already read, came and went to make him king, leader over them. Where are those young, proud fellows now? When trial comes, we need to have good counsel. It's no place for pride, no place for prestige. You need somebody that can do the job. They had to go seek the one whom they had called out. This man was a brilliant man. He got to the bottom of things. He knew the history behind it. Jephthah made everything very clear. If the Lord delivered them into my hand, you're going to make me king. Kind of reminds me of what Joseph said there in the book of Genesis. You meant it for me for evil, but God meant it for good. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it into good to bring to pass this, this day to save much people alive. Jephthah is in the heroes of faith. Hebrews 11, I believe verse 32. You had to be better than good to be there. When trial comes, like I say, it's no place for 
somebody that's unskilled and untrained. Behind all this, we read in the book of Romans, the third chapter, what the law is basically telling us, something that we first and foremost need to understand. Verse 19 of Romans 3, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Everybody's mouth is to be stopped because we're all guilty before God. And if you look across the page, the same third chapter, verse 4, Let God be true and every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mayest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. When we call somebody out, we need to be sure what we're saying. Is it in accordance with God's word? What happened here? The man that they called out is the one that's going to be their savior, long story short. As said, Jephthah was a brilliant man. He made it clear whom the victory would be of. It was the Lord's victory. He was accurate. He was concise in the matter of history. Said they had 300 years to solve it. He had to first contend with his own brethren. Was I mean, like Christ coming to his own brethren and his own received him not. We can't find any flaws with this man till he made the unwise. I guess you would call it unwise vow. But he he kept his vow too. We know we read in the Mark's Gospel, the 6th and 7th chapter about Herod, how he heard John gladly. But when his wife's daughter danced before him, he promised her anything for half the kingdom, and that cost John the Baptist his head. We're, we're told in Ecclesiastes 5, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. Always keep in mind what we read there in Romans 3.19. that every mouth be stopped. Now back to Judges chapter 11. Jephthah, as I said, made it clear who the victory would be of. He had to first contend with his brethren until the wisdom of the elders did prevail. And other than the unwise vow he made, that wasn't the end of the matters. It wasn't the end of the battle. We're just told that the Lord delivered them into his hand. Now chapter 12 of the book of Judges, verse 1. And the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and went northward and said unto Jephthah, Wherefore passest thou over to fight against the children of Ammon? Oh, by the way, he went and 
defeated the children of Ammon. And now here comes Ephraim. How come he didn't call us to battle, let us fight? We'll see how he handled it. We will burn thy house with fire. And Jephthah said unto them, I and my people were at great strife with the children of Ammon. And when I called you, you delivered me not out of their hands. I called you, you didn't come. And when I saw you delivered me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hands. Once again, he gives glory to the Lord. Wherefore then are you come up to me this day to fight against me? Now he has to deal with more brethren. So Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And this is tribal warfare. And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they said, You Gileads are fugitives. That's a slur against Jephthah. Fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. And the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites. To make a long story short, now the Ephraimites are fugitives. They're not allowed to go back home. They took the passages of Jordan. He wasn't going to let them pass. When those Ephraimites which were escaped said, Let me go over, and the men of Gilead said unto them, Art thou an Ephraimite? If he said nay, then they said unto him, Now say Shibboleth. And he could, and he said Shibboleth, for he could not pronounce, couldn't pronounce the H. Now I remember back in the Vietnam days. A man walks out of the jungle. You've got a split second to decide, is he a friend or foe? How are you going to tell? You can't tell by what he's wearing. We've, any war, people don't, they might wear uniforms, but you can't tell who's who. How are you going to know? This shows, shows more of Jephthah's intelligence. He knew that they could not say the word Shibboleth. And that's how he overthrew the enemy. Those that couldn't pronounce the word, they slew. Pretty slick. It rightfully is this man one of the heroes of faith. You can see other things. Ephraim stirred up grievous words. What do we read in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1? They didn't have to stir up any trouble or strife. Proverbs 15 and 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth it aright, and the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Like I say, we learn a lot from this man. He was brilliant. The wicked would be judged by their mouth. Over in the book of... Well... Luke chapter 19, verse 22. He told the slothful servant, you be judged by your own mouth. Do our words judge us? Luke chapter 19, verse 22. And he said, well, let's just back up a little bit. The last one that had the pound saying here's thy pound verse 20 which I've kept laid up in a napkin for I feared thee because thou art an austere 
hard, tough, rugged, austere man that take a step where thou layest not down and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto them, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, O wicked, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up where I lay not down and reaping where I did not sow. God is an austere man. So there's also a passage that's very similar to that in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 12. We talked this morning about Hezekiah and Manasseh. Second Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 14. Second Chronicles 12, 14. He did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. This is talking about Rehoboam. When we come to the Lord's house, do we prepare our hearts? Do we prepare our thoughts? Are we prepared, period? A lot of things we can glean about this man Jephthah. What we need to gather out of this lesson is the one that you criticize or call out might be your only hope tomorrow. Man, the Old Testament, as I said, is all about war. In the New Testament, there's the wars that are within. The book of Jonah, the second chapter, Jonah makes a statement that's very fitting in all of this. The book of Jonah, the Second chapter, <clears throat> Jonah chapter 2, verse 6. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the, the Lord, and, and my prayer came into thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. What else can we do? I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. There's those that will not hear. <clears throat> Just like the king of Ammon would not hear Jephthah. Jephthah, he wasn't rash with his words. He spoke what he needed to speak. He kept his vows, even though it was not a wise vow. Sometimes we make vows. There's no, no point in making. Ecclesiastes 5, and we'll close. Verse 1 Keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Now, if you look at the book of 
Proverbs, it has goes to great lengths talking about maker of words few. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of foolishness, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. We are waiting and looking for our Lord's return. Going back to that passage in Luke. Verse 47, I keep coming back to that. That servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. How's it going to be with us? Are we going to be beaten with stripes? Are we going to hear... Depart from me, workers of inequity, I never knew you, or enter into the eternal rest that the Father has prepared for thee. Let us stand and we'll sing.